This week on Another Brother. Man, this last meal is getting better and better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I won't die after all. <laughs> it's going to create a layer. It's going to create a boundary layer of protection. The next day, he did find work. In Hades. <laughs> Everyone's like, well, where's Muriel? Like, oh, she's just running inside get her, her handkerchief. She didn't come out yet. She was coming out this way. Like, no, we haven't seen her. And then all of a sudden, a shriek rings out. <laughs> Slap it. <laughs> so speaking of a traveling family band. <laughs> oh. I recently subscribed to the Drumeo YouTube channel. Yeah. Drumeo is an app for teaching you how to play set, drum set. They have like a bunch of drumless tracks. Like mm. all of Foo Fighters. I recently saw them advertising that. They have every last Foo Fighters song minus the drums. Everything Dang. else is the original stem wow. from the recording. Vocals even. Vocals, yeah, everything. Mm. Everything is there except for right. the drums. Just that mixed exactly the same way so you can... And they have transcriptions of the the original drum part written out. So you can like literally you, learn to, yeah. you can like Fill watch the, the bouncing ball as you're playing along to the track oh, in your headphones. Cool. And Their YouTube videos are fantastic also, Their, their YouTube the videos are really cool. So it's an app so you might put on like a tablet on a music stand in right. front of you sort of thing. Right. So I started looking into what electronic drum kits cost yeah. and... There are very, very expensive ones, mm -hmm. but I found one on a list that says it's plenty worth buying, especially as a beginner. It's only 300 bucks. I've seen cheaper even. I'm sure, but I don't know how worth it it would be. To well, it's one of these, uh, he's, he doesn't play on Drumio, but it's one of these big YouTube drumming stars uh -huh. who he went through it. I, I watched like a 15 minute video of him. He was like, yeah, this is totally legit. Good. I think it was 225. Anyway, not not to yeah, it makes me wonder what Chris is because Chris had much. one. Yeah, I'm sure he still does. And he just plugged his headphones in and just hammered yeah. away in his room. They, I mean, that was a really old. That, I mean, that was. I think they got it pretty 2001 owned maybe 2000. Yeah, 2002, uh, yeah, something like that. Somewhere around there. They've come a long way now. Hmm. Um, I didn't like this three hundred dollar one. Every, I guess you call it a pad, the cymbals and the drums, mm -hmm. they all had two zones where you could strike them for two different sounds. Nice. So you could do rim shots yeah. on all of the drums. The cymbals might not have two different places. I, I would hope so because on like a ride cymbal, you've got the normal body of the cymbal where you'd strike it, but then you've also got the cone yeah. up where it mounts and that's a totally different sound. So maybe mm -hmm. it does do that. I don't know. Well, I hope it would be... I mean, I try to look around and find like Rock Band 4 set and it's like $900, dollars $1,000. Dang. So you're telling me an actual drum kit. An actual drum kit yeah. is probably the same cost as a Rock Band drum kit. And apparently now, yeah. Ridiculous. For just the drum kit? No, no, no. The whole, the whole set. The whole so game. Getting like, I mean, you're getting yeah. all the peripherals. A guitar, oh, a microphone. Okay. I mean, yeah. that's not, that's still not great. Right. No. Better than I thought, I guess. So your drum kit is probably coming around. The same price as this professional grade. Sheesh. Yeah. 
right. uh, professional career. Well, I mean, I really wanted, I really, <laughs> I really want to get that. That's funny. A drum kit and just learn to wail on the drums. It's like at the beginning of this week that I told Heather, what do you think about me getting a drum set? It'd be electric. I'll keep it in the basement. You said that? Really? Yeah. I did. Oh, dang. <laughs> I don't have rhythm and, or timing, but oh, I would love to be able those to things play can the be drums. Learned. Or yeah. you just keep those headphones on and no one else has to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I'd and always have to rock through on. it. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a new, on Drumeo, there's a new free 10-minute lesson for the basic, the, she called it the money beat. Man, but it, it, I know it as the, the basic rock beat. Yeah. And just, it, she, they start out really simple. Just it's do, tempting, the, man. do the hi-hat. And the bass drum at the same time. So we've all been dreaming about getting drum sets. You have too? Well, rock band. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. I was just thinking about, I didn't know you guys were thinking about getting into music at all. Because uh, you guys didn't really do much with music. Josh Nothing. played trumpet a little bit in middle school. Or right? two years. <laughs> right. Maybe three years. I completely forgot you did band. Yeah. And Jacob, oh, nothing. I think you did. No, I did the recorder in elementary school. Right. Along done, with everybody else. You no, know, amateur choirs. I did the Russian mm, choir okay, at BYU. Fair enough, fair enough. Oh, so did I. Yeah. But not with I you. I dropped it twice oh, as I the only Russian twice. speaker. But I was, I mean, I was thinking about Jared. Jared and I do all the music for the podcast. Mm -hmm. That's where it's all coming from. And he plays guitar, bass, uh, keyboard. He's got a synthesizer. So the only thing we're really missing is drums. So I was yeah. like, and then I found the Drumeo channel. I was like, oh man, I just, uh, I just learned to play the drums and then we're set. Makes you hunger for it. And then Liz can be the, the female rock singer. Cause I really want her to do renditions of some of these songs I like. She could, she would, she could be like, uh, I forgot her name. Amy something from oh. Evanescence. Oh yeah. I was thinking more, I really like Hailstorm. Hailstorm. It's good. I can't They've think got of some her good tracks. vocals. I never her remember name, the names of band members usually yeah. very well. I think her last name is Hailstorm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Liz is learning the bass. So yeah, she's, she's, she's she, our bass. She wouldn't want to be front man for the band. <laughs> She'd want to stick to the bass, I think. Damn. Oh, that's the problem. We would need a front man. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we... Speaking of hungering for the drums... We're going to talk about last meal. Drumsticks. So this is where I wanted to start with this. To get me in the right mindset. Death. Last meals. What's the scenario here? Have we lived long, happy lives? We're 95 years old, on our deathbed, ready to naturally die? Or like, are we criminals of this, you know, new, like authoritative regime that's come in but they're granting us a final meal what what kind of a last meal is this you're taking it way more seriously than i was yeah i was just thinking i know i'm gonna die tomorrow what am i gonna <laughs> eat today so is it the end of the meal? world sure apocalypse but you can eat anything you want from anywhere in the world right yeah i don't know i was thinking i don't know the word last meal i just think of like you're on the chopping block that is, you're meeting your maker tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but Jacob wants... But mine doesn't change regardless. So. The guy who doesn't want to role play a character <laughs> wants to understand his motivation. <laughs> Why do I care about this meal? <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fine. I'm good. Start with the youngest. Okay. I 
you know, I didn't even spend that long thinking about it, to be honest, because I knew I just had to be true to myself. Okay. Yeah. Man, I'm thinking like German pancakes. Mm. <laughs> Those are delicious. Amazing. Yeah. Where did mom even get that recipe? Probably grandma. I guess. Or a Betty Crocker book. I don't uh, recall I don't having it anywhere other than our home. You mean uh, like friends' houses? Or, yeah. No, I mean like grandma's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Anything like that. I can't remember that either. I didn't know anyone else knew about them really. Like I'm sure people knew about them because mm-hmm. they were German pancakes. You know, someone's got to know about it if it's not an American thing. They're not German. They're American. They're American German pancakes. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I mean, I doubt French toast is French either. Well, it is. It is? Oh. Yeah. And Belgian right. waffles are Belgian. Right. They yeah, are. but no, I, I have looked it up. German well, pancakes are not are of German really? origin. It might have been German immigrants. I don't know. I can't remember, but. Well, the only other indication I had ever had that they existed outside of our home was at Original Pancake House. Uh, they have Dutch babies. Yeah. And I saw one come out. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> It's about time. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I went to a place, Elmer's, one one time. It was another just diner, regular old diner. Oh. I think it's a chain. We were in Portland. And yeah, they had... Portland. That's That should be where you'd find something called a German pancake. Yeah, they had... Lots of Germans in Portland. As far as the Rhinelander. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. I think they served it in the pan. And they were round... It sounds like a Dutch curled baby. up so nicely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His individual size. Oh, it was just so good. So I need German pancake with a side of lemon juice and powdered sugar. And if this is my last meal, I'm going to use as much of both as I want. <laughs> There's no holding back on the powdered sugar this time. You want to be coughing <laughs> while you're eating no this. that's a technique thing you, you can't breathe in while you're putting it up putting the fork up to your mouth okay. i've learned this so a do long you time ago do you lemon juice and then powdered sugar or do you powdered sugar and then lemon juice lemon juice and powdered oh sugar. you're crazy no you're wrong. no what <laughs> yeah you're wrong no yeah yep. it makes a huge difference in the flavor a huge difference weirdly i want the lemon juice to soak into the the pancake but first. it doesn't not in my experience anyway the butter's a shield <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay. So do you okay, so Jacob butter do you butter? No, no. you don't butter. They they have so much butter in them, you don't put yeah, more they on. They come there. out pre-buttered. Do not tell me you butter your German I, I pancakes. Do. Oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> have you ever seen them made? I've made them. And I like them. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Okay. Well. Wow. I yeah. like salt. <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. For the for the salt, I can I can agree with more salt. Yeah. So if you do butter to I'm get more salt, yeah. I'm I mean, it's a it. package deal. <laughs> Just okay. Put more salt into uh, the batter. Yeah. All right. Well, forget I asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, to answer the question, regardless, I just squirt lemon juice all over that thing, and I put the powdered sugar on top. Hmm. Like a good old Dutch baby. Hmm. But yeah, absolutely, as you're bringing that fork up, you do not breathe in. No air is coming in or out of your mouth. Just straight in. <sighs> I think Liz, did Liz do syrup rather than... Oh, gosh. Don't, I don't, know. don't. I don't remember that. I can't remember. Heather does syrup. Oh, uh, no. I, know. I mean, it's fine. It's obviously. not her fault. You know, she mm-hmm. first had it at friends' houses and 
Oh, wait, no. Or am I thinking the wrong thing? They did powdered sugar, but I think she asked for syrup and they all looked at her like, what is wrong with you? And then to make matters worse, she went, <laughs> she didn't drink the milk either. <laughs> oh. And they're like, you have to drink this milk. I'm not drink. I don't like milk. I'm not, you cannot leave this table before you drink this milk. Like, you're not my parents. So one of those families. <laughs> yeah, weird, right? Yeah. Syrup's fine. Mm-hmm. And like at Original Pancake House, they serve their Dutch babies with like apple, like cinnamon apple topping. Oh, okay. I'm cool with that. I've never had it, so yeah. maybe it would be good, but I can't see anything <laughs> other than powdered sugar first and then lemon juice being any good yeah. on that. Like You're nothing's changing gonna the compare. flavor profile completely. Nothing will compare to that. You at least need a different name for that. That's not going to be a German pancake. That's going to be like a German... Well, they call awful. it a Dutch baby, you know? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's the Dutch baby. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That can be the Dutch baby. <laughs> this will be the German pancake. Probably don't have a lot of lemons in Germany, right? They got the no. Mediterranean clothes. They, I mean, they yeah, can get fair. them. That's fair. Is that it? Yeah. One course meal for your final meal? Well, it's probably I mean, a lot, though. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Remember those big 9 by 13s Yeah. I, yeah, w- yeah. I could easily eat two of those. Yeah, myself. yeah, yeah. Easy. So, oh, the last time I made a German pancake. Oh, a glass of milk. Okay, a glass and of a glass milk. Of You're milk. right. I need milk totally. with it. Totally. But what percent milk? Two percent. Okay. That's right. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I made a German pancake, I decided to do it in our enameled cast iron uh, oven. Why did I pause for so long there? I don't know, <laughs> but I'm trying to connect enameled cast iron oven, oven. to... Yeah, wasn't the... Pan- your, uh, your, like Dutch oven. Like a Dutch... Okay. Uh, sorry, oh. enameled Dutch oven. Enameled? What's the... La, la, cru- la Crusette. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Okay. That's right. La, la Crusette. Why? La Crusette. What Why the, the enameling enamel? do? You don't have to take care of the metal. It's, it's completely shielded from oxidation because it's inside two layers. So the whole inside thing and outside. is coated? Yeah. Oh, the outside is coated and the inside doesn't get stuck to you very well. Right. Very hard. Yeah. It, yeah. But you can't season it. Easy to clean. That. You don't have to you season it. You don't need to. It. It's a beauty. You don't season cast iron you for this amazing the... cooking <laughs> spice that comes off of it into your cooking. You don't get the extra iron if you're a vegetarian. It's <laughs> also, that's not, you don't get it either way. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So. Yeah. I wanted to make a round one. So, yeah. you know, this was a round thing yeah. and it curled up all awesome and everything. But then I made a mistake. I thought I was getting powdered sugar, but it was cornstarch. Oh, no. Dude. It was, I almost barfed. (laughs) It was so bad. I knew right away because it turned into that non-ferrous liquid, non-ferrous fluid on top of the pancake because I had just the right amount of Lemon juice on top. That you it mean non Newtonian liquid? Gack. Non-Newtonian fluid. Fluid. Yeah. 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 Non-ferrous is But I was like, <laughs> I, I don't care. Non-magnetic. Just in case I mean. I'm wrong. Did I say ferrous? Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. I knew I was going to do that. Yeah. Non-Newtonian fluid. <laughs> yeah, I'm there now. Okay. Uh, but I had to, I ate uh, it anyway, uh, you know, well, a couple bites. I was like, I can't. Oh, you can you just scrape, scrape it off, it off yeah. and get powdered sugar? Maybe. 
Like if uh, I had just put more cornstarch on, it would have gotten to that point where it was more of, of a solid and I probably could have scraped it off. Wow, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I don't know. That would have taken some guts to put more on <laughs> in hopes that it would solidify. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, brutal. So that's Jacob's. Okay. Yeah, is. Mine is going to be a groaner. <laughs> You guys aren't going to like this. Oh, you're going to be something vegetarian. Not, you're going to think it's not keeping in, okay, in sure, the spirit sure. of, of what we're doing. But this is my honest to goodness answer. Okay. So you guys know, yeah, vegetarian. So Someone say tofu. No. Tofu's fine. I, no, tofu has to be cooked correctly. For sure. Like it. Sure. Um, which, by the way, is mapo tofu. Mapo tofu Delicious. Is good. Yeah. Spicy. It's a Sichuan dish. Hard to get. Good. Vegetarian though. Um. No. You just say don't put the pork in it. Oh. Or the beef. But no substitutions. They always say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go on. Uh, that made me think of another joke, but I'll, I'm not gonna keep going. Good okay. Choice. So one, uh, vegetarian. So that limits. You know what what I can choose, mm-hmm. but two, you guys know that I'm trying to. Well, maybe you do or don't know to an extent. I'm trying to like, out of all the philosophies out there, like ideology philosophies, not religious philosophies. Okay. Um, I think the most impactful one, useful one, most utilitarian, most beneficial to your existence and your life and your day to day is stoicism. stoicism. Yes. Jacob got Nailed it. it. So. Stoicism is all about using your rational thought to control your desires and your wishes. There's also a crap load of misinformation on stoicism. about stoicism on the internet. Yes. Yeah. So it's w- not just not feeling your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Being a stoic right. individual. It's, it's, it's rationally, it's having control over your rational thought to process your feelings and to turn them into what is useful and what is not useful. And to do what's natural. So, like, the baseline metaphysics of Stoicism is, like, just keeping with nature. Keeping with what nature intended. And you do that by leveraging your rational thought. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, Yeah, what does it have to do about food? Mm -hmm. So, great question. If you'll turn with me (laughs) to Musonius Rufus, letter one. (laughs) No, no. So the Stokes, from the very beginning, they taught that basically kind of like the seven sins, like gluttony is a Mm. sin, but the Stoics have their foundation in cynicism, which is pretty austere, really minimal, like far more minimalistic than Stoicism. Like when you think of like pop Stoicism, you're probably thinking more, what they're displaying is more of a cynicism type mentality. So when we think of pop stoicism i think of nothing personally <laughs> we're probably seeing cynicism more yeah. than anything else yes okay. more of a cynicism more austere okay um so but a lot of the foundations like the the founder of stoicism was instructed by a cynic um but anyway so as it comes to food like these guys would not seek out lavish foods because it just didn't keep with what they were trying to do what they were trying right. to be all about there's like the flavor of a food has no rational bearing on the nutrients. Your experience, the nutrients. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so Kill me now. <laughs> so I knew this would be an eye roller. But uh so Crates, who is the teacher of Zeno, he's the cynic guy. Uh-huh. Uh he it was said of Crates. 
he was contented with a rough cloak of barley bread and vegetables <laughs> without ever yearning for his former way of life or being unhappy with his present one. Oh. So that kind of shows you like, you probably would be unhappy in your, <laughs> but he never did. <laughs> so that's on its face. That's kind of funny. Side uh, note, I'm yeah. starting to feel like John the Baptist was a stoic. Kind of. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Or maybe a cynic, more of a cynic. Hmm. All right. Rough hewn. Didn't he wear like, camels? Yeah. Yeah, camels hair. You're right. And he ate locusts and yeah. honey or something. Um, anyway. So, and even the great Marcus Aurelius wrote in his journal I hate food. Food sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he says, then we went to lunch. <laughs> Because he writes like these daily thoughts, right? So he goes, so then we went to lunch. What do you think I ate? A wee bit of bread, though I did see others devouring beans, onions, and herrings full of roe. Are you kidding? So, But here's <laughs> such lavish. I <laughs> love bread. Mm, <laughs> bread is good. So knowing now okay. that these Stoics, like the ultimate Stoic philosophers, Marcus Aurelius, the founder of Stoicism, Zeno, Ate bread. Bread was the go-to. <laughs> My last meal, because I love, is just like a gour, gourmet global array of breads. All the breads. <laughs> Give me mm. all of the best artesian breads from every country, and I, anyway, and maybe the toppings that typically go with them. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. okay. The schmears and things, and just let me taste the world of bread before I go. And then I'll feel prepared. So there will be scones on that table? Yeah. yeah. After <laughs> all of the and eye rolling. I have to eat it all first. <laughs> you kill me. After all of the eye rolling, I am totally on board with just <laughs> a bread smorgasbord. Yeah. <laughs> I love bread. It's so good. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a bread fiend. I was, and I've stopped because of all the calories. Uh, or the empty carbs, you know? Oh, uh, all right, this isn't my scenario, but I'm gonna, I'm just going to ask it anyway. Is fondue on the table? No, because uh, I'm lactose intolerant. Uh, well, you're dying the next day. This is your last meal. True, and it would be a pretty rude awakening when they, however <laughs> they finish me off, and I've got this upset tummy. <laughs> Eat it, mothers. Yeah. Yeah, you fools, Egg. you gave me all of the cheese. <laughs> it's, that makes me think of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? with Babyface Nelson. And he's, he's strapped in TNT, and they're going to electrocute him. <laughs> I'm gonna go off like a Roman candle. <laughs> uh, that would be, I guess. There it is, dairy, dairy and bread, so I can go off like a Roman candle. <laughs> there are a few things better, in my opinion, than bread and cheese. Yeah, I'm a jam man. Jam's good too, man. Yeah, yeah. but get that cheese with the jam. Well, brie and brie and pears. Yeah, yeah, brie and figs. Fit. Gorgonzola mm. and pears. Yes, gorgonzola, gorgonzola. and pears. Mm-hmm. It's like a blue cheese kind of. Like, huh. Not kind of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a blue Is cheese. It? All right, it's a blue cheese <laughs> made with uh, penicillium mold, so it'll help you with <laughs> your infections too. Nice. Oh, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Man, this last meal is getting better and better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I won't die after all. <laughs> it's going to create a layer. It's going to create a boundary layer of protection. Nice. Well, you guys 
I mean, underwhelmed you. I, <laughs> we no, came, we no, came okay. swinging. No, I was gonna say, I feel like a glutton now a little bit. <laughs> like I don't even. Uh, is that I mean, I just I really love good food. Well, I am the opposite of a cynicist, apparently. <laughs> yeah, let's just put it out there. You are a foodie. Whether or not yeah, you've said it I'm yourself, not a foodie. I don't like the term. <laughs> it brings up imagery in my mind of hipsters taking pictures of everything they're eating. And I don't feel that no, way. No, no, that's so not context, a foodie. The context of this is our mother misquoted me for Alex <laughs> yeah. when I called yeah. him a foodie in the previous episode. And Alex, yeah, you can see the backlash. <laughs> well, we've just started rewatching Suits. Mm. Great Rachel. show. It is. Rachel considers herself a foodie that's fine it's not it's it's good company that's all i'm saying i guess i just <laughs> i boils i love food but i really brooklyn 99 yeah see i'm not i'm not <laughs> like boils oh, thank yeah. you very much and it it's sure not is. plural it's boils. i know dang it sorry <laughs> boils. <laughs> somehow boils fits his personality better though it really does i really don't think i'm a foodie but if you consider any person that would go on a trip specifically for the food. <laughs> oh my a foodie, then I'm a foodie. Yeah. I think that's probably the definition of a foodie. I like going to Disney World for the food experience. The rides are fine. A lot of the rides are fun, but a lot of the rides make me pretty sick these days. <laughs> it's because of all that food you're eating. It's, I mean, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I'm not no, eating a lot of really. food. I know. But I don't know why. There's something about going someplace for the really good food and some entertainment that I just love. Yeah. Hmm. So for my last meal, I had a completely different answer until I remembered how much I love going to Disney World for food. <laughs> you want to go out no. at Disney World? I would go to Disney World <laughs> and eat all my favorite food at Disney World that I've found so far. And then some more. Because that's one of the best parts about Disney World. There's so much good food. I don't get it. There's a lot of pretty mediocre food too. But there's a lot of really good food, especially at Epcot. Because hmm. like almost every country in the World Showcase, for those oh. that don't know what Epcot is, Epcot has two parts. It has a lagoon in the very center of the park and you walk around this lake to get to the two different sides. One side is the World Showcase where they have... Like a World's Fair sort of thing? Kind of. How, how, how would I say this? They, they break it up all the way around this semicircle around this, uh, not giant, but this large lake, broken up into different countries where they have architecture from the country, food from the country, all of the cast members, which are what you call employees of Disney World, mm -hmm. all of the cast members are from that country. Oh, oh that's They crazy. weren't during the pandemic, that. but they are now. Hmm. They got back to hmm. it, I think. Drink, art... Just whatever they have. Is it like stylized or is it normal? No, it, it really Berlin looks like... Berlin looks a lot like New York. <laughs> you legitimately look like you're in Paris. Okay. In the France Pavilion. Yeah. And they have like a miniature Eiffel Tower that you can't really get to. That way it stays distant it and kind of, yeah, looks, it looks bigger than it is. That's really cool. The Germany Pavilion is more like old Bavarian mm -hmm. type German. Like if you Which were to go skiing somewhere in <laughs> Germany... Part. Edelweiss. And then they usually put all of their 
if they have any Disney properties that take place in those countries, like Ratatouille, they just finished the Ratatouille oh, ride okay. not too long ago for the France Pavilion. Mm. They've got, uh, what do they have? Do they have anything in the Germany Pavilion? Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, they don't have, as far as I'm aware, Pinocchio in the Italy Pavilion. That's good. Uh, but <laughs> they've got some pretty good story. pizza in the Italy Pavilion. <laughs> I can get my favorite Italian chocolates in the Italy Pavilion. Mm. I can talk to Italians in Italian in the Italy Pavilion. How's the gelato, though? Not emphasized anywhere near enough. Uh, the, the the France Pavilion gets way too much attention on the food. It's France. And I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> I think Italy has equally good food, and they need to do something about it. But Italian food in America is kind of loaded. Americans don't really know what Italian food is, but they kind of think they do. And there's nothing that you want to do to an American at your theme park less than tell them they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Have you seen Disney World during the pandemic? (laughs) Uh, Uh, I mean, it's shots fired across all bows. Fair enough. The political... Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. right, The governor. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's fair. They do have gelato, but everybody goes to the France Pavilion for French glacé which is French ice cream. Hmm. I don't really know what makes it distinct, if anything. But anyway, Restaurant Marrakesh in the Morocco Pavilion. I would absolutely, without a doubt, no question, eat there Mm. first. Maybe maybe last. No, first. Before I'm stuffed (laughs) silly and nothing tastes good anymore. (laughs) That food is unbelievable. The uh, leader of Morocco, I can't remember if it's a king, president, sultan, sultan, I don't remember the correct term, but whoever was in charge of the country at that time when they were building this sent Moroccan artisans with a ton of Moroccan tiles to do the tile mosaics just right. Everything Uh, in the Morocco pavilion is super freaking legit especially in the restaurant and all the servers are Moroccan. Last time I got to eat there, there was a Moroccan belly dancer, but that food, oh my gosh, they use spices so well. They know how to balance everything and balance sweetness with the savory. I had this like crispy puff pastry type thing full of some combination of spices, meats, dried fruits, Ah, uh, yeah. And the outside of it was dusted with powdered sugar and cinnamon. What? It sounded and looked no insane. Why would that taste good? But it was incredible. It's like a Monte Cristo. Cristo I suppose. Those yeah. sandwiches are so good and it just defies logic. It was super crispy and delicate on the outside and super mm. meaty, mm. but also sweet. I would eat that. <laughs> uh, I would get a slice of Italian-style pizza at uh, the Italy Pavilion. I would get some crazy expensive sushi at the Japan Pavilion. Uh, I'd probably get a steak at Le Cellier <laughs> in the Canada Pavilion. Can- Steaks? Canada yeah. Pavilion. Steak? Oh, they are, yeah. Have they have seen- a French steakhouse called Le Cellier. Huh. Huh. And they've got all kinds of wines. Obviously, it's based on a wine cellar. Le so Cellier. It's, so it's oh. French-speaking Canada. Yeah, right. Okay. So French, French-inspired... Canadian. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they had a number of different styles of poutine. I'd probably get one. 
And then I'd probably get some caramel corn. No, not caramel corn, but some kind of sweet treat at Caramel Kuche in the Germany Pavilion. They use Werther's Originals to make caramel desserts in, mm. in that place. Werther's mm. were apparently created originally in Germany. Oh, mm. wow. Super simple recipe of sugar, butter, and cream. Wow. That was it. I got to make some. I'm sure you can find it online. Yeah, give hmm. me the original. Yeah, original, <laughs> the original Werther's <laughs> recipe. <laughs> yeah. um, but eating at Restaurant Marrakesh my final meal without a doubt would make yeah. me happy it's the highlight it's it, amazing it would make you happy but everyone else would just be so sad <laughs> <laughs> i was also gonna say i would want the molcajete de mariscos at uh la hacienda real in mm. kaiser mm. that was super good that was a great restaurant and then as yeah, far as getting was... some italian food in italy i i can't even pick there's just so, <laughs> so yeah. much good food well the end I've been inspired. Next to my German pancake, I'll have a side of real Uzbek plov as well. Mm. And then I'll be done and happy. Nice. Don't know what plov is. But mm. Me neither. It's got to be a bun or a roll. No, it's, it's a, a rice potato. dish. Oh, rice dish. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. It's meat and carrots. And... Yeah. Oh. The, again, the seasonings, man. Yeah. Um, can I finish this with one note on how not to have a last meal? Yeah. Oh boy. So I found this uh, while I was considering what I was going to do. In 1772, Germany, a woman named Susanna Margarita Brandt, Brandt was uh, decapitated by sword <laughs> and her last meal. So she had been offered a feast consisting of three pounds of bratwurst, 10 pounds of beef, six pounds of baked carp, 12 pounds of lamb roast, soup, cabbage, bread, an unspecified dessert, and eight liters of wine. She rejected it. <laughs> and uh -huh. her last meal was a glass of water. So instead, the officials who sentenced her to death and executed her got to eat her feast. <laughs> what the freak? So, were they trying to kill her by splitting her stomach open with all that well, food? Well, I would suggest they probably wanted official way to like finance their own feast <laughs> and so maybe they set her up maybe set her up the bomb ah, dude did you turn on the radio no what are those lights flickering Parrot? Normal. Hour. Newport, Oregon is on the coast. It's like, I don't know, I'd say it's like a really, it's a nice beachy beach town. As far as like Oregon goes, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cabana Boys? No, Oregon doesn't have that kind of stuff. Oh. No, it's got some nice streets. It's got, you know... Like nice walkable streets with cute little shops and the wood shake sidings. Pretty well on, developed on the as buildings. Far as yeah. Oregon coastal towns go. Yeah, it's not <laughs> by Oregon standards a small coastal town. It's got a historic pretty bridge, um, a river that runs through it. 
Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. <laughs> Wax <Yeah>. Museum. <laughs> oh, the oh, aquarium yeah. <laughs> also. Yeah, aquarium. Omsi? Isn't that where Omsi is? No, Omsi's in Portland. Dang it. Right I on the river. I always do that it's wrong. Like right on the river. Yeah, that's yeah. why I think it's... It's got a, the submarine. Yeah, my bad. See, so yeah, Newport's a cool place. It has a lighthouse called the Aquina Bay Lighthouse. That sounds Hawaiian. It's native. Oh. Native American. Yaquina. Oh, Yaquina. Named after the river that runs through Newport or just to the south of Newport. So Yaquina Bay Lighthouse, it, it sits right at the north corner um, mm-hmm. where the Yaquina River exits into the Pacific Ocean. Right. It's basically a house with a light on top of it. Have you seen... Do you not recall? I'll this look one. it up. It's like, yeah, I look think it I up. do. I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Yaquina Bay Lighthouse, specifically. I'll get to, to why. To this day, it is the oldest standing building in Newport. It's also the last surviving wooden lighthouse in Oregon. So it's got some pretty cool and long history to it. It was constructed... And first, well, it was first lit in November of 1871. But not long after, (laughs) in August of 1873, Mm -hmm. the Yaquina Head light was constructed and lit. Okay. Which is a different lighthouse. Completely different. It's a lighthouse. Yeah, you got the spire. Hmm. Yeah. Yaquina Head is 93 feet tall. It's the tallest lighthouse in Oregon. It has a... Order five, uh, sorry, or a first order Fresnel lens, hmm. and it reaches out. I think it was sixteen miles. It, it's visible for sixteen miles, hmm. which made Yaquina Bay with its fifth order Fresnel lens completely obsolete. Hmm. Fresnel lens orders were first order is the most uh, the brightest, I suppose. Which to, to the they kind of shot themselves in the foot for sure. Because technology, there's got to be like Fresnel order 0.1 now. They, yeah, there's. Do they reorder? There is one new order above first order and it's, it's, <laughs> na- it's got a name to it. I can't it's probably recall the what it order. was. <laughs> <laughs> it's not numerical. Oh, it's, oh. it's something else. But I have a story that takes place in the Aquina Bay lighthouse. Okay. Um, it's, it's the key figure here. So I, I so I just looked at pictures to make sure I remembered what this thing was. So this is like this is a two floor building. Yes, thank you. It has those typical shaker windows. Yeah, bright burnt orange yeah, currently all around it. It has one of those nice sweeping coverings over the front door porch to get into the house. Yeah. It's got a little porch, and then you know a chimney on top and the cool kind of lighthouse stand. Yeah, so like top of it. It really does. It just looks like your your typical, because <laughs> everyone knows what your typical nineteenth century home looks like. It's a it's a handsome little handsome little yeah. building. It's nice. Two chimneys, and then the light stands right in the center of the building between those two chimneys. Although I'll be honest, looking at the front of this kind of also gives me the creeps. Yeah, hmm. like I see Exorcist kind of in it <laughs> a little bit. See something in one of those windows? Hmm. Especially you're on like, the, oh, anyway, the Oregon coast, it gets windy and cold and damp and misty. And- right. Yeah. And and so specifically where it sits, it's on top of a bluff. Um, I mentioned it's at that north corner where the river runs out to the 
Pacific. It's on a little bluff, and it is windy. Uh, Heather and I have been here, and it, it's got all these juniper trees surrounding it, and they're the kinds that are permanently leaning, you know, mm-hmm. um, pointed in one specific direction, so you can just tell how much wind, the wind whips through yeah. there. Forms them in that direction because it's windy. Yeah. Yeah, so Yaquinta Head was lit in August 1873. So Yaquinta Bay light was then decommissioned officially in 1874. It, o- it had only served for three years. Oof. So our story, huh. yeah, it's weird, right? Is that like three a paid yeah. job? Like, is this something like you strike out, you're like a businessman, you you spin up this lighthouse to operate it, and you're expecting like... I have no clue. I don't think so. Um, If I recall correctly, the U.S. government set aside $20,000 for the construction of the Equina Head Lighthouse. Okay. So I think most lighthouse infrastructure is paid for federally or states or something. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. It, It would make sense to me. Yeah, me too. So our story took place shortly after, and I don't have an exact year. But it took place shortly after it was decommissioned. Decommissioned as a lighthouse. As a lighthouse, yeah. So the the structure is still standing, no longer operating as a lighthouse. Uh, A ship pulls into port in town unexpectedly. Um, You know, they weren't like expecting any trade ships or anything like that or fishermen. Mm -hmm. And a man exits with his teenage daughter. They hop on a little rowboat. They get lowered down and they're, they're rowed, rowed ashore. Um, this guy's dressed very nicely. He's tailored nicely. And he, he just, he speaks and he has this air about him of almost like an aristocratic type okay, of air, sure. right? The ship was due for Coos Bay, which is south of Newport. So they'd been traveling from the north and they had ran into hard waters. And so that's why they came came ashore. They had some things to take care of after those waters. But this man... <laughs> you know he was like my daughter is not fit as a sailor like just being out on those rough waters was just too hard for her she can't she can't take that for longer okay is there anyone in town who could keep watch of her agree <sighs> while i sail back down to coos bay and then return i just need someone to take care of her the landlady of the local inn volunteered they had a vacant room so they took her and they they, they put her up for her dad to finish the traveling we don't even know what he was doing, hmm. what kind of business he was on. So the girl's name was Mur- Muriel Trevenard. It's just a great name. It it stands out. Muriel Trevenard. What, can you spell Trevenard? T-R-E-V-E-N-A-R-D. Trevenard. Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> <laughs> Her name is The girl's is name. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, do we know origin? Maybe you're, maybe you're getting into this, but what's the etymology of that? Like where... No clue. No idea. No. Right? I don't. I would guess. I know Andy nope. Bernard goes by Nard Dog. Nard Dog. Trevenard. Oh, she's from uh, Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you could tell by her belongings that her family is used to luxury and then the finer things in life. What are they doing in Oregon? I don't know. I don't even know where they came from. What year is this again? Late 1800s? 1874. What are they doing in Oregon at that point in time? <laughs> Way over on the coast. The west coast. Yeah. Coming from the north. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think Canada on the West Coast is that developed at this point in time either. Or Washington. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Bizarre. But, but I mean, Newport did already have not just one, but two lighthouses. Right. So That's there true. is some precedence well, of travel yeah. in this region. Right. So we know like there's a lot of, so Portland was a major Chinese shipping destination. Yes. So you get a lot. So like being Shanghai and Portland yeah. was really common. Mm-hmm. I might be getting there in the future. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Historically there's, there's a ton of sea travel that occurs through Oregon. Right. Um, and the Columbia river. And, but uh, I think most of it's like Asian countries, goods, I'm, Asian goods, mm-hmm, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the fur trade was pretty big and it was mostly Europe that, Wanted our furs. No Panama I don't know how that got back. You know, you had to sail all the way down around the horn of South Africa or South America. Or try to get around the Northwest Passage. But there wasn't one. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) They never did find that, did they? No, I don't think so. (laughs) So she spent most of her days reading, sketching, writing her journal. Um, She didn't really, you know, get along with the crowd of town. She was too sophisticated i suppose i don't know (laughs) but eventually the the account actually says specifically in august so i know by this point some time has passed and her dad has not returned from coos bay of all places yeah which i mean not a long it's not that far away no 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 but for some reason neither her nor the innkeeper are all that concerned about it like ah it's coastal waters he might have had more business he'll Mm. he'll return when he returns So in August, uh, this young group of pleasure seekers came from the east and they came to Newport and they set up, (laughs) popped up tents and stuff. Portlanders. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They were always hippies. (laughs) Popped up their tents down on the beach um, in a little grassy knoll. They were just there to have a good fun time at the coast. Yeah, (laughs) everyone does that. Uh, Yeah, it checks out, right? Still happens today. It didn't take too long before Muriel befriended these other young, I don't know if they were teens, early 20s, what, but they were probably around her age, Okay, it appears. Mm -hmm. And they became friends, pretty good friends. And not long after that, someone finally suggested, hey, we should go check out the Equina Bay Lighthouse. It's shut down. No one ever goes in. It'd probably be fun to just go and explore. I'm concerned for Muriel. (laughs) Well, lucky for them. The innkeeper, whom Uriel's obviously good friends with now, was the guy who had been asked to kind of keep eye on it. So he had the key to get into it. Okay. So they get the key from the innkeeper. And yeah, they, they go. But I mean, they're not dumb kids. They don't go at like after sundown. They go in the daytime. Sun's still up. There's there's light out. So no one was even living in this? No. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice little house. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Not even that little. Two store. Yeah, it's two stories. It's a beautiful structure. That bluff, though. Maybe it's pretty far. Maybe it's a challenge to get to town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. Maybe. Yeah, I suppose. I yeah, I don't know what town was like at that point. Yeah, so they go in. Explore around the first floor. It just looks like a, an old. Not quite dilapidated, but uncared for house. Sure. Um, go up to the second floor again. Nothing like 
extraordinary or spectacular, but they're having a fun time looking around. But then they continue following the staircase all the way to the very top where it comes to a landing. And in this landing is a window to the outside, obviously, and a linen closet. So they open the linen closet and there's a piece of wainscoting that's kind of peeled back a little bit. So one of the kids just grabs it and yanks it off. And behind it is a steel plate door, a thin sheet of steel. What the freak? In this linen closet. You know, someone... Behind some wainscoting. Weird, right? So someone puts their hand on it and, and they can rubbing it, they can just tell it's it's hollow. There's an opening behind it. So they get their fingers on that and they're able to pry that open. It's a, about a three by three foot piece of steel. Mm-hmm. So I think like maintenance hatch, like maybe to get to the lenses or the some work on well, the light above you. This three by three opening goes back about six feet. Okay. And then it just drops. What do you mean? And they can't see where it drops to. Okay, wait. So they're at they the, don't have flashlights. They're at the top of the building. How do they uh-huh. have flashlights? They, how they don't, don't they? have? Oh, they, they don't. don't. Sorry, they, I said don't. So, yeah. Okay, sorry. No so flashlights, just, no torches. So they're like within the roof, basically. So I'm assuming the the spiral staircase is like in the center of the building. Probably you might have said yeah. that. And then they're at the top landing, so like maybe just below below the how you get slide. to the lens. And they're looking laterally through the roof now, most likely. Attic. Attic, Attic space. space. And that's yeah. why they can't see anything. Well, no, down. They look down. Yes, it, it, it's basically a shaft that drops straight down. They couldn't see the bottom. And so they got some stuff and they dropped it down there and they didn't hear an impact. So like, well, Wait, I'm so confused. I know. Okay, <laughs> keep going. There might be a basement to this thing. That would be weird, though. Yeah. So, yeah, there's this air of, like, excitement and fun, but at the same time, they're kind of cautious and a little weirded out. Victorians were very into ghosts. <laughs> this is the Victorian era. Not yeah. that that matters much in America, Victorian. But, um, but again, they're, they're not stupid kids. They're smart. The, stunt, the sun starts to set, and so they realize, okay, this is, this is weird. We can't see anyway. It's about to get dark. It's, it's time to go. So they, they do. They leave. Um, the kid is starting to lock up. So the most of the group is on the other side of the house, ready to go da- back down to the beach. And there's the one kid with the key and Muriel. And, and this kid's about to lock up. And then Muriel's like, oh, I forgot my handkerchief. I've just got to run back inside real quick and grab my handkerchief. Oh, boy. Don't do it, Muriel. You're not safe. <laughs> and so the kid's all like, well, just let me come with you. She's like, no, no, I'm I'm fine. Like, don't be stupid. I'll, I'll be right back. So she runs in. Okay, whatever. I'll just wait out here. Oh, and she had said something like, "Oh, I might. I'll probably just go out the back door through the kitchen because that's where everybody else is waiting anyway." So he's like, "Okay." He waits a few minutes. She doesn't come out, so he sh- shuts it, locks it, goes around the house. Everyone's like, "Well, where's Muriel?" Like, oh, she's just running inside to get her her handkerchief. She didn't come out yet. She was coming out this way. Like, no, we haven't seen her. And then all of a sudden, a shriek rings out. <laughs> And they're all just frozen with shock and fear. Second shriek. Followed by three 
yelps for help. So after that short pause of them like not knowing what to do, they all rush inside. He grabs the key, unlocks it as fast as he can. They look around the first floor, nothing. Second floor, all they find is a puddle of blood. But it's got a trail of blood Where? drops on the second in the second floor okay. in the hallway. The drops of blood lead all the way up the hall back up to that landing where the linen closet was. In the linen closet, they find her bloodstained handkerchief. But that steel sheet is back in place, and so is the wainscoting. What? So they're able to rip that wainscoting off, but they can't get the steel sheet ripped back off. They can't get it open again. Hmm. And that's where it ends. They run back down to town. They get men. They get people to come do a, a further search of the building, immediate surroundings. Muriel's never seen again. I know you're not supposed to judge history. Well, hold, hold on. Before, this is where I give you the twist. Got a, got a M. Night Shyamalan over here. <laughs> oh, no. That, that never ends well. <laughs> He's horrible. <laughs> this was an article published in 1899 of the Pacific Monthly Magazine, written by Lishan Miller as a piece of fiction. Uh, uh, I was dreaming the whole time. <laughs> okay, but so here's where it comes into real life. Like I said, Victorians love ghost stories. <laughs> this is where it comes in real life. Shortly after closing, the Yaquinta Bay Lighthouse went up for sale. No one made offers high enough for it to be sold because everyone was worried that it was haunted. Okay. So apparently this was a well-read magazine. Wait, wait. People read this and thought it was nonfiction. Not fiction. No, because you said this was published in 1899, mm-hmm. but the lighthouse closed in 1874 okay so i just have so it's like 25 years without it being sold sorry so yeah you're right it would have been after 1899 it went up for sale okay but no one would buy it no one would buy it no offers were high enough silly victorians so then a little after that the u.s army corps of engineers took it as living quarters while they were working in the area. The army would. We get the worst places. <laughs> <laughs> Will's leaving the haunted house. Like, oh, those murderous ghosts? Yeah, it sounds great for our soldiers. <laughs> Bring it on. Ten years after they vacated, the U.S. Coast Guard started using it for living quarters. Then after that, the Oregon State Highway Division bought the land that the house sat on to establish a new state park. Which it still is to this day. It's a state park. The Highway Foundation? Yeah. Okay. But then finally in 1946, the Yukuna Bay Lighthouse was scheduled to be demolished. But a group of local citizens founded the Lincoln County Historical Society with the explicit purpose of saving the lighthouse. Many historians thank this specific piece of nonfiction to people caring so much about this lighthouse that that is what brought it enough notoriety that people valued it and cared to save it from demolition. <laughs> Doomed after, it at first, saved it in the end? Yeah. So they spent three years of raising money, and they were able to stall 
the demolition until it was scheduled again in 1951. So the society got back to work and they were able to get the help of a Mr. L.E. Warford who had just moved to Newport from Ohio. He was a wealthy businessman. Sounds like a daddy warbucks. <laughs> and he was able to get the lighthouse recognized as a historical site and it was preserved. <laughs> then through the 70s, it was restored and we now have it. It's kind of part museum, part just historical uh, murder building. building. <laughs> <laughs> so Fictitious murder building. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> This historian guy that I listened to said, you know, this is probably the only building I'm aware of that a truly non-existent ghost saved from (laughs) being demolished. (laughs) Like, and actually, obviously there are those out there who will say, well, all ghosts are non-existent, but this is a 100% fictional ghost. Yeah. It was written in a piece of fiction. Although some people think it is still haunted or they might think this article was based on fact. There was a 1975 article in the Eugene Register Guard in which Lincoln County Historical Museum curator said a young hitchhiker came through town looking for work and having nowhere to stay and no money to rent a room, he unrolled a sleeping bag at the lighthouse. That first night he was there, a ghostly young woman appeared to him floating outside one of the windows. No, dude, that's a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) She told him not to worry and that he would soon find work. The next day, he did find work. In Hades. (laughs) (laughs) So, there are people who actually think Muriel was real, who think that Lishan Miller published it as a piece of fiction, but in reality, it was nonfiction. And the legend lives on today. You know, I'm just not buying the guy singing a ghost because from what I know about her, she just didn't seem like the kind of person that would be like comforting him. I think she'd just kind of like be, you know. Yeah, she's hoity-toity. <laughs> yeah, he's or a bum. Yeah. He's sleeping, you know. I don't know. Don't buy it. doesn't fit her MO. It's just a different ghost then. <laughs> oh, dang Could it. be. Could be. Interesting. But yeah. I just want to know, did someone look for a shaft? To like verify. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, I, I we know. Gotta go. I, All right. <laughs> Our first another brother sponsored expedition. trip. Expedition, yeah. Couldn't be a better place to go. Oregon Ghost, Oregon Ghost. Expedition. The Ghost Coast. Ooh, nice. Four part series. <laughs> Five. Seven. Seven. <laughs> and a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Dang it, that's what I was going to do. Oh, shoot. Do it. You're going to do it better. Thank you for being our brother. Wow, did that we might just be too energetic, that? though. Okay. <laughs> we'll take another run at it then. Okay. For, for being, being our brother. brother. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was too energetic. <laughs> gotcha. For show notes, rockin' merch, and other brother goodness, check out our website at anotherbrotherpodcast.com. Be sure to come back next week. And tell your friends so they too can become a brother over there. Brother over there.